Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. People that are living in an urban setting, you can garden anywhere you are, okay? You can garden in your backyard. You can garden on your porch. Right. I did a lot of container gardening. We didn't always live on a homestead. We've lived everywhere. We've lived in right. subdivision. We've lived on small, just with a backyard. And we've lived on big, big acreage and on smaller. Right. And I just love to garden. It's something about getting with your kids and planting yes. and it seems so intimidating to plant the seed and this is going to grow into something that you could buy at Lowe's. Like a, exactly. a professional has to do that, right? Yes. When I first started gardening, buy my plants like as starts because yes. I was like, certainly I can't plant right. seed. Yeah. But learning the process and doing it with the kids and like seeing them plant a carrot seed and then harvest it. I know. They were like, hey, mom, can we eat it in the garden? Like that brings me just so much intense joy. Today on the show, we get to chat with Emily Toops of Toops & Co. You guys know I have 1 million best friends and Emily is one of my newest. She is so fantastic and you are going to love her as much as I do. I loved talking to Emily today about the origin story of Toops & Co. that started with her beautiful daughter and her eczema. And now Toops & Co. believes that skincare products that nourish and restore can come from simple, wholesome ingredients. Toops & Co. uses regenerative agriculture products and Emily and her family homestead in Alabama homeschool their children and run Toops and Co. So you better believe we are going to talk about all of those things. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Emily. We are so ecstatic to have you and chat with you today. Thank you so much, Caroline. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to it. Yay, good. Well, uh, I we are going to talk about so many things today. I want to chat homesteading because you homestead at your home, you homeschool, you run a business. I mean, you're doing all the things. So we're going to get to all of the things. But first, for our audience who doesn't know what homesteading is, what does that mean to you? To me, homesteading is just providing as much food as you can on our own property, whether that be one acre, 10, 20, whatever you have, we sure. just do as much as we can on what we have. Yeah. So talk to us about what's the setup here. I've seen your cabbages that are bigger than my head. I've seen your gardens, <laughs> but like how much space do you have like acreage? How many gardens do you have? We have 12 acres and we're probably using seven of those acres. Yeah. And I have a decent sized in the ground garden. And then I have six big raised box gardens. Yeah. And then we have a greenhouse that is yet to be put together. <gasps> really? <laughs> but I'm and so excited. A greenhouse. Okay. And let's tell people you're in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. And so, oh my gosh, I've looked at greenhouses. And the funny <laughs> thing about me, Emily, is like, I will, I'm like, okay, I want a greenhouse. And then I find this like $30,000 greenhouse. Do you know what I mean? Like, my husband's like sure. of course you found the most expensive option. Okay. So talk to us about the greenhouse. So the greenhouse is 40 by 26, which is kind of big. That's and huge. I want to be able, so we get in our area where zone AB and we're on the Gulf coast. So we get like some serious thunderstorms down here and yeah. it would be nothing for me to have like tomatoes going in the spring. And we have a really big thunderstorm come through with like wind and, and like destroy it. So wow. people think, well, you don't need the warmth. So why do you need right. a really need it for like for rain protection? Because we, I want to say, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm thinking we get like 60 inches of rain a year here, which yeah. is, I mean, you know, when we were in Texas, they were saying like average is like six. 
inches in that area. And so we get like torrential downpours of like eight inches at one time. Absolutely. to me, the greenhouse is a place to protect all of mm-hmm. our you know, sensitive vegetables in the summer, but also to garden all winter long, because really we only go below freezing two or three times. And those <laughs> two or three times are when I will kill the vegetables that I'm trying to do a fall because right. the summer are so incredibly hot. Right. That we don't really garden in July and August. We kind of like skip those months and like move that to the fall. Isn't that so funny? Okay. And this is why it's really funny to me because we did like some gardening in Georgia and you can grow anything, right? Like it's just so warm. Even like we had a compost pile and it was hilarious. We weren't like managing it probably properly at the time, but (laughs) we're just throwing all of our compostable vegetables, everything in there. And we would have like actual plants growing from the compost pile because we had a tomato plant. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm not even kidding you. We were like, what's that? Oh, it's a bell pepper, like a straight up bell pepper. You know, it's nutritious, but that's like the amount. So depending on where you are and I'm zone five in Denver. And so I'm like trying to plant a tree outside. I'm like, I can't plant anything. Like, I'm so sad. I'm like, I want a lemon tree. I want a lime tree. I want a peach tree. No, like forget about it. Right. And so that's, what's funny about zones, because I just feel like no matter where you are, there's going to be a learning curve. And for For you, for you, it is like hurricanes and torrential (laughs) rains. And for us, it is hail in the middle of summer. (laughs) So we have to put up like a hail net, which I'm learning. This is our first season in Denver where I'm really gardening. Like we have raised beds and I'm like planting things and I'm the learning curve. Like half of the things I planted in April actually sprouted. So I did it from seed. So we're learning, but talk to me about the difference. Like how do you decide, how did you decide to do raised beds or why versus like you have some in-ground gardening too? So because we get so much rain, the raised beds, I can control the water and we're not like water logging Uh anything ever. So things that don't like wet feet, like I keep my tomatoes up Mm. and a lot of people don't, but it works really well for us. And we, it's a tropical rainforest here. So the weeds are out of control. Like It's insane. Anything that wants to grow is going to grow. And so it's also easier for me to maintain the the weeds and stuff. And I can put just compost into my raised beds and they've, they've done so great. So we I compost bet. our cow manure yeah. and our chicken manure and with all our scraps and we just keep this manure pile going for compost. And it is so great for the vegetables for sure. I bet. Okay. So talk to us about that. So not only do you have 12 acres, you've got the gardens, you've got the raised beds. You all talk to us about your animals. Okay. We've done a little bit of everything, but right now our, the main star of the show is our dairy cow. Her name is Blueberry and (laughs) she's just my favorite. She's so sweet. Blueberry was born on our farm in Gulfport, Mississippi six years ago. And my husband's job moved us and we left our 20 acre farm in Gulfport and all of our animals, we sold everything. And it's a funny story. I, my husband was working out of town. He had already moved. We had plans. Like we were going to sell the farm. We were all going to go, obviously we can't be apart. And I still was kind of like toying in my heart, whether or not I didn't want to leave the farm. And I fell and broke my foot, rolled my ankle in some of those, you know, volatile sandals that were real fancy, you know, in at the time. And that was the last straw. We sold all of our animals and the farm for three or so years. We traveled with my Mm. husband's job before we settled back here. And when we moved back here, I contacted the people who we had sold her back to and they were, and she was a a, a calf and she was an infant basically. Yeah. And she was ready. She had already had a calf and she was a trained milker and they were like, do you want blueberry back? And we were like, yes. So we got her back. It's a really cool story. That's so sweet. She's got a little calf on her side right now. She calfed back in March. Yeah. Sorry. Not she was due in March. Yeah. The first of April. Yeah. Been milking again since April. Oh, (laughs) that's so sweet. And so I would love to know, like, how does having a cow, because that sounds so overwhelming to me. Like I follow all, (laughs) I follow you. I follow my friend Tracy at Whole Daily Life. I have friends who 
have cows. They're doing the homesteading thing. And I'm like, I don't even know that I'm responsible enough to like milk a cow. Like how intense is it? to keep up with this cow. You know, there are varying levels of intensity and you can do it different ways. So what works for us, because we are so busy, we are homeschooling our kids and we're running Toops and Co. And so we've got to make this cow fit our lifestyle. So what we do is something, it's called calf sharing. It doesn't work for everyone. And we leave the calf with mama all the time. And so in the beginning, the calf is not drinking enough that she doesn't need to be milked. So obviously we're milking her, but we don't milk right. twice a day, which some people do. Right. We milk in the morning, six ish, 30 AM. Right. And it takes me, we, we milk by hand. So we have minimal things that we go out there with. We don't have a, a machine that we need to set up and whatnot. Right. So I got there with a bucket, water and soap and a washcloth, and then another one to dry her off. And that's it. Walk out there. We wash her, we dry her, we milk her and we walk back in, in yeah. 20 minutes. And at okay. the same time, my older boys are getting her feed ready, hay and whatnot to feed her for the day. And then yeah. I walk back in, I strain the milk and I put it away unless I'm going to deal with it immediately. So honestly, that morning routine for us, yeah. 30 to 40 minutes from start to finish. So it's yeah. really not a huge deal. If you And that's like, and that's like most of the maintenance. That's most of the maintenance. Yeah. I mean, we okay. have her... We feed her in the afternoon. Right now we're not separating the calf at all. So whatever's left in the morning is what we get. When the calf is drinking a whole lot more and there's not as much left for us, we separate them at night. We milk in the morning and we put them back together the rest of the day. That is calf sharing. And then uh-huh. on the weekend, when the calf is able to drink all the milk, let's say we go down to the beach for the weekend or something. Right. We just don't milk her. And the yeah. calf drink all of the milk. And that is an ideal calf sharing yeah. setup. Now, some cows right. make too much milk to do that, but we have a, a homestead bread line of Jersey and she's yeah. small. She doesn't make a lot of milk and it's perfect. It's just perfect for us. Right. And that's what's crazy about conventional, like Holstein, typical milk cows is they're- they're yeah. ma- milking them. First of all, they've been bred to make yeah. an insane amount of milk. And also they are trying to get as much milk as they can. And so they're milking mm-hmm. these cows three times a day. And so that that's interesting to me because we've chatted outside of this podcast about we're living in urban Denver. So I, even though my heart is screaming homestead, like we are in urban Denver right now. And so I want to be connected to our food more and be able to teach our children that. And so I'm going to get a, I'm ordering today, starting joining a raw milk share. And so they talk about how they milk once a day. And it's interesting because you think about nutrient density once a day versus three times a day, it's almost like it's watered down. Like it's a richer milk. Yeah. Oh, the milk is amazing. amazing. Yeah. Is it like, can, have you compared to there's is, is no comparison. <laughs> have you done like a side by side? I'm sure you don't even like um, buy quote unquote, like regular milk. Anymore. Our milk. It's been, it's been a while, yeah, but <laughs> you can while. taste the difference. I know the difference when I go other places for sure. And even when I visit my sister and she buys like cream top, non-homogenized, but like low temp pasteurized dairy yeah. and like my, it, not so much me, but my kids, we go there and she's like, you want a glass of milk? And they're like, yeah, right. Cause we drink plenty of milk. And they're like, mom, I don't know, what is that? <laughs> no. That's so it definitely so they good. tell the difference more. Oh my gosh. I was That's... raised on like store-bought high temp pasteurized, like you oh, know, yeah. from the grocery store. Yeah. So I feel like over time, my palate maybe not is yes. as sensitive as theirs. Right. I can tell a little bit of difference, a little, but definitely yeah. not as much as the kids can tell, which is, I think, hilarious. <laughs> I think it's, they're like, what's this stuff, mom? Yeah, oh my like, gosh. And they're embarrassed to say they're like, oh, oh. I don't like Gigi's milk. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh, that's too good. Well, I have only recently been learning about the benefits of raw milk versus high temp, homogenized, pasteurized dairy. Do you happen to know like some of the benefits? Raw milk is a living food, right? Right. It's with both bacteria and proteins are whole and vitamin E and all that is in a protected state. Right. When you're, when you're heating that, obviously you're breaking those enzymes down that are already in the milk to right. help you digest the milk. Right. 
And I just love that it is so fresh and so nutritious. And then yeah. it's just, it's straight from the source on our property. So we know we're feeding her. She's yeah. got a great mineral program. We know that even her milk is mineral rich because we oh. taken a lot of time and research to make sure that her minerals are adequate and that she's getting. What and what do you add? Like I put minerals, I'm like literally drinking minerals in my water right now, but what do you, how do you add that for cow feed? So cows can tell, they just kind of know what they need. So we've Ah. got a mineral feeder and it's got three parts. And one is just this really high quality mineral supplement. Another one is baking soda and they can choose to, if they need to be bloated, they'll take some. And then the third compartment is kelp and minerals. Right. And so she can choose, they lift it up with their nose. It's got a cover and they choose to eat what they need when they need it. And I just was so enamored by the whole process. I was like, we're going, we're definitely going to do this. And we've seen such a difference between when we owned cows before and we didn't have an intense mineral program. And now we do. She is like the picture of health. She, we don't ever have to worry about not keeping body condition. She's been amazing and really healthy. She calved no problem. Okay. Um, This is blowing my mind, Emily, because (laughs) I'm like laughing because the fact that she, as a cow intuitively knows the minerals that she needs, like I'm laughing because I feel like now I feel less in tune with my body than your cow. (laughs) You know what I mean? I didn't even know I needed minerals until our mutual friend, Katie of wild and well, was like, you are low in minerals. You need to take these minerals and your cow intuitively knows what she needs. That is blowing my mind. (laughs) And then additionally, cows that are grass fed in general are also higher in omega-3s and higher in CLAs than traditional dairy. So it's just overall more beneficial. And I... I have had issues with dairy in the past and I haven't been doing a lot of dairy the last, like, I'd say, honestly, like three years, but I'm really excited to try raw dairy because I've just heard so many stories and anecdotes of people who think they can't do dairy, but really they can't do conventional dairy, even organic dairy. They can't and do processed dairy. They can't do yeah. processed dairy, but they can do raw dairy. So something to consider. And I'm really excited to try raw dairy. And then, okay, lastly, I feel like we could talk about homesteading forever, but you also have chickens. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Okay. So how does that work? <laughs> so we have our chickens on a movable chicken tractor and you can just hook it up side by side or whatever yeah. you have. And we just right. move them behind the cow. And anywhere oh. the cow manure is, if we didn't save it for our compost pile, right. they go eat the bugs, scratch it, spread it. And our back pasture, which is small, it's like two and a half acres. It looks amazing. And we are on beach sand. Okay. It right. is like when we cleared this area back here, underneath it was white and no topsoil. I'm talking white beach sand. And we were just like, we're going to. So we're going to do something like somehow we're going to manage this land, which is really how we learned about regenerative farming practices and learned from these huge farms, what we can pick and choose would work for us and then implement on our little tiny acreage with our one or two cows. Yeah. And chickens play a big part in that too. Yeah. And so that's so crazy. And that's why I just talked to Will Harris of White Oak Pastures and he's going to be on the show too. But we were just talking about animals are crucial. Animals are absolutely crucial for land maintenance. And when people are like, let's not eat meat, the animals aren't necessary. Let's take them out of the process. It's like you just described, I didn't realize that chickens could like cows lay the manure, but chickens can spread it. And so that's putting nutrients. What specific nutrients does it put? I know it's crucial for the soil, but what is it like putting back in the soil specifically? uh a regular fertilizer is NPK, which is nitrogen, right. phosphorus, and yeah, NPK, potassium. Yeah, and that is in manure, and um. so the chickens go. The manure is a day or two old, so they come a day or two behind them, and there's already fly larvae. So the chickens are trying to eat the fly larvae, which is feeding them, and then they're spreading it out. And so naturally, we're fertilizing the ground, and we're putting more and more biomass on the yeah. ground, which you can see where we have like the chickens squared off on their little electric fence. And when we move it, 
it's like fluorescent green, which is just wow. insane. And so the first time we ever did that and the grass came back, me and my husband were like, wow. Okay. This <laughs> is knew, working. I've read, I've done all the things. I've listened to the podcast. I've read the books, I've followed right. Joel Salter, Will Harris and all these names, but to see it on your own property, we were just like beyond amazed because Ugh. the grass on the side is like yellow green, right? Yes. And this is like blue green. And we were just like, okay, obviously we were missing nutrients. <laughs> And this yes. is the solution, not buying lab created synthetic yes. fertilizer. Right. And when we can do this instead, which costs us less money, of one, course. and two, we're getting pastured beautiful orange yes. eggs as a, right. as a result. So it was a no brainer for us, for sure. And it's so cool to see the whole process. It's like we don't have to bring in fertilizers. We don't have to bring in herbicides, pesticides. It's like nature, nature works. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. in the simplest way, nature works. And that's so cool to learn from you. Okay. So I have a question that, I mean, you're on a homestead, so you might be like, I don't know how to apply this to other people's lives, but for myself, selfishly, I want to know kind of a two-part question. What part of this process brings you the most joy but also, how do you feel like people like me in an urban setting, what types of things can we be like implementing into our lives, both like for the environment, but also what brings you the most joy? And is yeah. there a way that I can partake in that, you know? For sure. Okay. It's also a two-part answer. So yes. one, people that are living in an urban setting, you can garden anywhere you are. Okay. You can garden in your backyard. You can garden on your porch. Right. I did a lot of container gardening. We didn't always live on a homestead. We've done, we've lived everywhere. We've lived in right. subdivision. We've lived on small, just with a backyard and we've lived on big, big acreage and on smaller. Right. And I just love to garden. It's something about getting with your kids and planting yes. and it seems so intimidating, just like plant the seed and this is going to grow into something that you could buy at Lowe's. Like a, exactly. a professional has to do that, right? Yes. But once I got, I used to, when I first started gardening, buy my plants like as starts because yes. I was like, certainly I can't plant right. the seed. Yeah. But learning the process and doing it with the kids and like seeing them plant a carrot seed and then harvest it. I know. They were like, hey, mom, can we eat it in the garden? That brings me in just so much intense joy. Yes showing them the entire process of right. like they shovel cow manure. That's one of their jobs. They put it in the little dump wagon and then we dump yeah. it on the pile and yeah. then showing them how we compost it. And this is a fertilizer that grows the vegetables. And so we pull that carrot out. Like that was a result of your mm. shoveling here a year ago. Yeah. Wow. I just think it's so important to teach to them. And so if you live in an urban setting, one, support the farmers around you because yes. when I first moved here, we're on the Gulf Coast. This is a very touristy area. I was like, there aren't that many people doing this around here. Right. It's too hot. It's too whatever. Had all these preconceived thoughts of the area. There's a lot of like big ag in the ground, cotton and whatever. I was thinking that mm -hmm. was all they had here. But the longer we've been here, we have met the most incredible people that are like growing pastured chicken and pastured pork and pastured beef and growing vegetables in greenhouses and doing it organically and selling at the farmer's market. And we support those people. So if you're in an urban city, yes. you have to go to their farms. They would absolutely love to have you. Mm -hmm. I love, we, we don't sell our products. We homestead for ourselves, right. but there are so many really small farms that can maybe feed 10 families. Mm. And there are lots of them there. There's just this new wave of people who are farming and homesteading on what they have 20 acres, 50 acres. There are multiple people around where we live. I'm sure there are multiple around yeah. where you are too. Yeah. And so get out to their farm, maybe volunteer mm. for a yes. day or something like I would have, if I was a farm, I would love to have children come out and volunteer yes. to shovel manure and then show them the gardens and like right. explain the whole process of yeah. composting and growing vegetables. And it's incredible how many kids are so far removed. Oh my gosh. They can't even fathom that an animal had a part in growing right. carrots. Right. And it like showing them that cycle is breaking these preconceived notions that our kids believe as they grow up that right. 
we don't need animals right when they're a mm-hmm. crucial part of sure. the environment and so at tubes and co we use pastured beef tallow yes and it's so important to me that i got to meet some of the farmers right in Texas and shake their hand yeah we're managing their pastures regeneratively and we're buying their just incredible nutrient dense tallow and it just it just feels so good so that brings yeah. me that was a long answer, but that no. brings incredible joy. No, I feel it too. <laughs> yeah, I feel it too. And when we were talking about raised beds, you have your raised beds for water management. I have my raised beds because we unfortunately live by this, we live by this reserve and it is a reserve now, which is great, but because it they like managed all of these chemicals and it's like, wah, wah, and they've done a cleanup and all this stuff, but I'm still like, I'm not going to plant my plants in the ground ground. where where it's questionable so we're able to do these raised beds where we can have a little more weed management and a little more control over the compost that's going into grow our vegetables so we have those and i planted from seeds this year i'm just an optimistic person in general and so i'm like this is all gonna work obviously but we have these beautiful little arugula plants right now and i'm like i did that (laughs) i made that arugula and you better believe i'm going to cry tears of joy like eating my arugula salad in like two yes. months. Like- I mean, there's proven joy and like mm-hmm. endorphins and serotonin that's produced by putting your hands in the soil. Those microbes literally bring mm-hmm. joy. And so I, that's why I love gardening so much. And people that are intimidated by gardening, I'm like, listen, queen of killing plants right here. Okay. <laughs> I have killed more plants than I've ever grown, mm-hmm. but I've learned how to garden in our zone. Mm-hmm. just by trial and error and right. a pack of seeds is like four bucks yeah and it just is some time and watering and practice and i've right. learned some things and i've failed at some things right and now i finally after years of gardening feel confident that i can plant a garden and manage it in an organic way Ugh, so um, fun and, and it be beneficial to our family. So yeah. And how much of your food like how much do you have to go to the grocery in addition to what you make so really this year, we I, I don't want to sound like, oh, we don't go to the grocery store, but we really don't go that much because we live so far. We're like a good 20 minutes oh, from a right. grocery store. Sure. So with we use Azure Standard for like pantry staples and stuff like that. And then we eat vegetables from the garden all summer. And then we grow out a cow every year for uh-huh. beef. And then we will buy a pastured pig from a local farm. And so I have freezer stock of meat, veggies. Oh, you know, Are you also stock. like canning and pickling? So I don't can yeah, except for tomatoes and fruit, but I'm not canning. Like I freeze a lot more than I can because yeah. like, our family's personal preference. Like we don't enjoy eating canned food, right? Vegetables that much. Sure. So we freeze like green beans. We just blanch mm. and freeze. And because we can garden year round, like I don't, Oh, I don't need to. But I also freeze carrots too. So like things that we can freeze, we do. It's obviously not shelf stable. If the power went out, we would lose our freezer, but we just run it on generator. I was going to say, you got to have the backup generator. We do. (laughs) So we don't can as much. We can a lot of tomatoes because I like tomato products. Right. Salsa things like that. Mm-hmm. Tomato paste. I've made a couple of times so that we can make ketchup and whatnot. Right. We ferment a lot of things. So we love fermenting yes. like pickles and carrots and yes. sauerkraut and things like that. We always have that on, on the counter, but I probably don't can as much as I yeah. should. Maybe like, not should. It sounds like what you're doing works. I'm thinking about doing it's it. It's working for us, but I would like right. to have the skill. I would yeah, like to have same. more of the skill. Same. And I'm sad. Chaz's Nana m- moved and I was talking to her about like, I'm going to start canning. And she was like, I just sold my canner. And she knows how to do all of that. And so I'm like, we're going to have you like, I have a few friends who garden in the neighborhood. And I'm like, we're going to have like a Nana session. She doesn't know this yet. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you can come in town and teach us all how to can. No, I think that that would be fun, especially because like we for sure can't garden year round in Denver when we have three feet of snow on the ground. So I'm like already thinking ahead of like my big harvest and what am I going to do with all these vegetables. Well, that's so awesome. And then I also thought of something else I forgot to ask. So you started with sand and because of your regenerative practices, it's now soil. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We have beautiful grass. We that's so cool. still are working on it, but yeah. it is 10 times better than it was when we started. Cause I would look out my back 
door and just see all this white everywhere. And I'm just like, we have so much sand. What can we do? And we just continue to research grasses mm. for sandy soil, sandy soil management, and just learn yeah. how to use what we have. Yeah. Oh, that's so inspiring. I love that so much. Okay. So we, you homestead, you homeschool, let's chat about that. It's so funny because my whole life I've been like, I could never homeschool, like literally never. Like I don't have the patience. I pray for patience. I'm like, God, give me patience. And it doesn't work. Patience <laughs> is not my strong suit, especially with like kids for 24 hours a day. But recently I'm like, okay, if I'm gonna go the like author speaker route and I'm gonna be traveling all the time, which would be a dream and a goal of mine, like how fun would it be? Like Carlos Whitaker does this, like he homeschooled his kids so that he could travel the world and they could come with him. And like, please, that's a dream for me. So yeah. I'm starting to tip like my pinky toe <laughs> into this <laughs> world. About it. I know, just thinking about it, I've asked a few friends who homeschool. So I would just love to know, First of all, like, what do you feel like are the biggest benefits for your family of homeschooling? So before we homeschooled, our kids went, our oldest two went to kindergarten and first grade. And I had grown up around homeschooling. I was very familiar with the idea of school at home. Mm-hmm. in a rigorous curriculum. Yeah. And I was like, that's not for me. I can't stand <laughs> up and do school at home. Right. And I met just the sweetest friend and she lives in Tennessee. And we have been really close friends since my kids were pretty, her and our kids were pretty little, maybe six years. And she mm-hmm. unschools and I've always watched from afar mm. her schooling and the busier we got and the bigger our business got, I was like going to school, waking up in this rat race right? This is what we're trying to get away from right. all the systems. We're trying to break the cycle of all these systems with our mm. food, with our health. Mm-hmm. And the school is another one of those systems. And so mm. we decided to opt out of the school system. In the beginning, I was like, didn't know what I was doing. And my friends were assuring me that take the first year, your kids are still young, right? Figure it out, figure out what works for you. And so what works for us, my husband is also home full-time. So we're right. business full-time. So we have two adults in the house, mm. which makes it easier. easier. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we do unschooling and we kind of do whatever fits each child's learning style and what they're interested in. And we just meshed work and farming and school into one. Yeah. Our kids have just thrived in a way that I couldn't have imagined. Wow. They absolutely love it. They asked to do school. Hey mom, we're going to do school today. Are you almost done? Can we do school? What? That's like some parent dream. And it wasn't always that easy. And, you know, sometimes there are tears, but the benefit that I've seen in our kids far outweighs anything else. Like it has just been so amazing for them and their mental well-being and mine. Um, We also travel a lot, especially in the spring and summer. We do a lot of events and we go to a lot of events. We vend and I want them to be a part of what this business is becoming. I want them to be fully understanding what it is that we do and why we do it and why it's so important. So they're there and they see it and they're putting a label on and doing a math job. You know, and I <laughs> that's and so I can cute. There and work and talk to employees and do things. And I've got maybe somebody needs a little extra help in math mm-hmm. and so sitting there on their laptop or in their school book and they're asking me questions and I can be right there reading it to them and I'm working too at the same time. And it's just been incredible. So we have a no school after one o'clock policy in our house at one o'clock, like whatever we get done. We're done. Okay. And the rest of the day, we have other things that need to be done. There's farm chores and garden needs to be taken care of. And by the time it gets dark, we're coming in and falling into bed. But not doing school in the afternoon has been really awesome for us because let's say the morning went crazy. The cows got out. And this is a real (laughs) life. Kids in their pajamas. Cows got out. The front gate was open. Milk cows in the road. So I'm like, oh no. Okay. So I'll turn everything off the stove and get the cow back. And it's 11 by then, then I'm feeding breakfast and then it's noon. And my oldest is like, mm, it's almost one o'clock mom. Like what about school? And I was like, well, today's no school day. Yeah. And that days the, off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. have the freedom to make that decision. Right. And make it up another time, another day. Yes. If we have nothing to do and it happens to be a Saturday, 
So who says that we can't get a couple lessons in in the morning so that we can get through our schoolwork right. on time? Right. And we also don't take summer break so that in the springtime we must we have something mm. we want to travel to home to see our family. Just took the week off then, and yeah. then yeah, up. And so it has the, just the flexibility, right? Of going to school in the beginning. And spelling test on Friday, on Friday. And so Wednesday night, we're crying about our spelling words. Cause we're mm-hmm. worried and on Thursday. We're like, Oh, I can't still can't spell this word. And I'm having anxiety. And then I'm like, Oh baby, I hope you do good. And it's Friday and I'm dropping them off and we're, <laughs> we're getting our lunch and I'm going back home to get the lunch. Right. I didn't want any part of that. And just that mm-hmm. was whenever we got to this, like <sighs> with school mm-hmm. was when I was like, no, no more. We're creating this life for ourselves that we want. Why are we, you know, yeah. killing ourselves to go to school and like they're missing out on the calf being born because they're Aww. at school. For us, it was the right decision for our family. And after we made it, I yanked them out at Christmas break. And I was Stop. like, peace out, school. We're going to homeschool. And I am so glad that I did. And yeah. I know it's not for everyone. It doesn't Absolutely. even work with everyone's schedule, but for right. us, we it's just been the answer. So much incredible growth and just blossoming in our kids that I'm like, thank you. Thank you, God, for just putting, placing the seed in my heart enough and the right friends Mm. to influence me to finally make the decision to just do it. Yes. It's Christmas. Maybe I'll wait till like the end of the school year. You know, I don't know why we have that mindset, but one of my friends was like, go check them out tomorrow. And I was like, oh, (laughs) you can't do that. I can't do that. And she's like, why not? And I'm like, I don't know. I questioned I know. everything else in my life, but I was like, no, I can't do that. And it does feel like rules. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. to me, honestly, like my fear, which a few of my homeschool friends have qualmed this fear for me, but my fear is essentially what are the regulations around it? Do I have to be teaching really specific things? And is there like still state testing or what's the oversight like? So it's different state by state. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. We're in Alabama and there isn't any oversight in Alabama. <laughs> so we can kind of do. You can just apply that to a lot, Emily. Well, <laughs> we're in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I honestly love it. Yes. We can do what we want. We've picked curriculums that work with our kids that are beautiful and fun and interactive. And so one of the curriculums that we use, it's like language arts. And there's like a little language arts section at the top and you do it. And then right under each something that's hard for the brain to do there's draw a picture about your favorite day that you've ever had and so like their mind gets to take a break and then on the next page we're doing more language arts we're diagramming a sentence and under that it's like write a sentence that makes you feel happy or draw a picture or something and that curriculum was like that's not in school but my daughter flourished on that because it's like a little bit hard let's take a little break yeah a little bit hard let's take a break and at the end it's like okay we worked on that for 30 minutes we learned yep, and we weren't for forcing it. So it was fun. Mm, I, love I love that. that. I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I think that's nice that there isn't a lot. Yeah. There's not a lot of pressure with it because that's the thing too. It's like when your child is in a traditional school and not yet for my children, cause they're still nine and six, but eventually you get to a point where it's like, you have your math teacher, that person went to college to study math. You have your science teacher, that person, you know? And so I feel like part of my hesitancy is like, I'm good at some things. I'm good at like business and marketing and health and wellness. And what else am I good at? Art. And that's kind of it. You know, like that's, those are my strengths. And so a lot of the like traditional schooling, I'm like, am I really the person (laughs) that my children has come such a long way? Right. And there's so many resources now versus maybe 20 years ago when people were homeschooling that I feel very confident that anything that I feel like I'm lacking in, AKA maybe algebra. Yeah. There's something on the internet that's, yeah, that's true for me Yeah, and for them. And whenever we've had subjects that might be a little difficult, we have enrolled in programs where there's a tutor mm. online and she can get once a week. Oh, wow. We'll help her through maybe some blocks where she's kind of struggling. Yeah. And so there's so many resources. Yeah. That's a good it point. Isn't always sunshine and rainbows. I don't also want to give this right. homeschooling is so amazing. We have some days where we cry and we're like, yes, this is hard. right. But you know, there, 
nothing in life that's worth doing is just easy. Right. So that's something that we've decided we're willing to put in yes. the hard days and the easy days because there's so much benefit and we've reaped sure. so many benefits. Yeah, that's so great. And yeah, you're right. But also too, it's like, yeah, you have days that are really hard with homeschooling. Okay, but you also have that with regular school. school. And I will say we're so lucky that the school, I, I feel like Denver public schools do a pretty good job of like, like Ella goes to more of a play-based school in general. So I'm like, if we had to, and there's no homework, which I'm huge about. So kind of oh, like what amazing. you're saying. Yeah. So like she gets out in really early afternoon. They also do the elementary schools here really early. The middle schools are later and the high schools are like really late so that kids can get sleep, which I think is huge. And so we're out so early and then we just play and we go to the park and we do things. So I do really, there's a lot of things that I really appreciate yeah. about school, but like there's enough of a question mark in my mind recently, which like shocks me. Do you know when you change something, <laughs> like you change your mind about something or you start considering something and you're like, yeah, <laughs> that is I've done plenty of that in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, I know my mom's going to listen to this and be like, what? Like you've said your whole life, you would never do that. So anyway, but I appreciate your insight and yeah, your just your experience because it is so enticing when you describe it. <laughs> okay. You are also, would you call yourself the CEO of Tubes & Co? The I'm owner, the, the creator, and creator. <laughs> founder and creator of Tubes & Co. So I, yeah, you, people ask me sometimes, how do you do it all? And I'm like, that's hilarious. That's such a I funny don't. question. But yeah. for you, I'm like, how do you do all of these things? So you're also running Tubes & Co. So tell us, first of all, tell us like a little bit about Tubes & Co. So Tubes & Co. Organics is just an organic-based skincare and makeup company. And we started Tubes & Co. when our oldest was like, mm, I don't remember, five or six years ago. <laughs> She's yeah. now. Right because she has a lot of sensitivities and allergies. Mm. I knew nothing about health and wellness when she was born. I felt like yeah. I got sent home from the hospital. Here you go. Here's the baby, figure it out. And then yes. when there were issues, eczema, vomiting, gut mm. issues, all these things, like there were no answers. And so I feel like I've always been a free thinker. And I was like, that, that I'm not going to take that answer. That is not right. the answer. And so we did doctor's appointments and all the things and the answers are steroids and petroleum cream and all this stuff. And nothing was working. Nothing get, was getting better. And I was just so frustrated. And this was before there were like a lot of more options on mm -hmm. the market. And so I was like, okay, she's got allergies. We're going to, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to cut out these things in her diet. We learned about the gaps diet at that time. Mm -hmm. And GAPS is difficult and so revolutionary mm -hmm. that it changed the trajectory of our life. And I started wow. making products for her, learned about grass-fed beef tallow. Mm -hmm. And I was just so just really surprised by all of this information that I hadn't heard from Western medicine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why not? And I'm asking these questions and they're like, oh, you know, no, that is not the answer. And I'm like, well your answer isn't working. We're going to find another one. And mm -hmm. so we started making tallow balm for her, her eczema. We're cleaned up our diet. And my husband and I are the kind of people that we just jump in with two feet. So, you know, off the I cliff. and I love that both of you are like that because my yeah. husband calls himself the brakes of our family because <laughs> I am the gas. Like yeah. I am like two feet. Let's I, I would say maybe I am definitely more gas than my husband, but yes. he's very open-minded and he does yeah. support me in all the crazy things that I have done. Right. And that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all the experiments that I've and done. I've on gotten <laughs> to meet him and he, I can see all of these things. Yes. I called up a local farm. And at the time there was way less local farms and especially, and we were in Southern Mississippi. I called this farm. The name of the farm is honestly beef. And I was like, mm, that sounds interesting. They're doing grass based. I, I want some tallow. And she's like, what's that? I was like, you know, beef fat. And she was like, oh, well, we don't get that back from the butcher because who's buying just beef fat, right? No one. So whatever they would use in their ground beef, the, the butcher would put it in the ground beef and everything else was a, a byproduct waste. What? I was like, do you think you could get me some of that beef fat? It's called tallow. <laughs> and she's like, let me call the butcher. I'll let you know. So she calls me back. 
I got a five pound pack from you. I'm talking like just a block. Looks like it just came out of the cow in the pack. And I was like, I read on the internet. So yes. So I go, I meet her on side of the road and pick up this beef fat and I go back to our house. And I was like, okay. So we were like figuring out what to do with it. We render it down. It probably smelled terrible. I just had no idea about anything. Sure. And Ren- and for us lay people, rendering just means you get this block of fat. You're, you're heating it at a really low temperature. Yeah. You're cutting it up into pieces. You're melting it at a lower and, temperature. Right. You're melting it. out the solids, which would be like the equivalent of crackling kind of. Okay. Yeah. And then you're left with this liquid yellow gold, which is this grass fed tallow. Yeah. So I was, I just was smearing it all over her. Like it was still warm in the bowl. And no. I've read so many things about the, all the vitamins, minerals and CLA right. are anti-inflammatory and put it on her. And it was like, so amazing. The anti-inflammatory properties just blew my mind first day. Right. So I was like, wow. So we started making this tallow bomb and, uh, gave it away to friends and family. I think we had made some baby ones, like baby like diaper cream and things. She yeah. didn't use any other kind of diaper cream, just right. she was cracking and bleeding in her creases. And everything. so we're like covering her in this and putting stockings on to like cover her skin. And she just recovered with both gut healing internally. Yes. Although on the outside, we just, it's kind of like the chickens where we saw where they were and yes. we saw it with our own eyes and we were like, wow, we're on to something that everyone else said there was no cure for. Right. So that's when we started making the telebombs and we had a little Etsy shop and we sold yeah. two or three flavors or scents of tallow, telebombs. And the Lord just has hand on us at the time. And this business grew beyond what we could have ever imagined. We feel right. so blessed and so honored to be able to give these products and sell these products to other people who right. need nourishing tallow. How Toots and Co began. That is yeah. the story in a nutshell. Yes. People I are like, love that so much. And I'm just like, yeah, my daughter it just fell into our laps. Literally, mm. I researched until I couldn't anymore. Black market bought this tallow inside the road. <laughs> and here we are years later mm. with Toops and Co, which is. Yeah. And the thing that's crazy to me is you really have so many products. Like what's the number now? Do you know? It's in the 50s. I was going to say it's yeah. in the 50s. And not yeah, only not only do you have these skincare products, the cleansing oil is so great. You have these tallow bombs. You're also doing like serums, which are really hard to create. And also makeup, which is yeah. – that's a – it's one thing to go from like put this tallow on your face to creating a clean makeup product. Yeah. Part of that is my sister and I have collaborated on a lot of things. Mm. She's a chemical engineer and was able to, you know, come on with me. And one day my daughter was like digging in my makeup and we had already changed our diet. We had moved Mm. to the farm. We were doing tallow and I'm, I'm looking at my makeup bag and it's just full of like drugstore junk. And she's like, Oh mommy. And she's like trying to put this on her. And she's obviously can't use anything because her skin is so sensitive. And like this light bulb went off and I was like, I have got to create something she can use. Right. And she's going to grow up and she's going to want makeup and she's going to want to know why do you, why can you Mm. use that junk? (laughs) But I can't. Right. And so I was like, let me start researching the ingredients in this stuff. I'm talking like, oh, the worst of the worst. The worst, of course. Yes. No, we (laughs) are looking at my makeup bag and it's all old and crusty too. I'm like, why am I, why do I have, I'm putting this on myself. Right. And so I then set out to just expand Tubes and Co. into a full fledged. It's like full color cosmetic line. And it's just been so awesome. And the reviews from people really want to know what brings me joy is someone Mm. saying I've never used mascara in three years because my eyes itch and swell and I have allergies, but now I can wear mascara. What? Like every girl should put on some Mm. mascara if they want to. Right. And uh, that just fills my heart to hear every time. Ah. That's so amazing. (laughs) Well, we will put, I know our listeners will love Tubes & Co. So we'll put links, codes, everything you need in the show notes for those of you who want to try it. Well, I know that we could talk for three hours, but (laughs) I'm going to wrap it up with the two questions that we ask everyone. So at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? To me is raising our kids just to love other people and just be Mm. amazing human beings, to 
be selfless and to give. And there's nothing in the world that we could want or we could desire that's more important than just raising an amazing family. You know, mm. we love, we have four children, we love them very much. And I just want to see them grow up and have their own families, but also be equipped with the knowledge to be healthy because mm-hmm. health is so important to me. So yeah, that that is if I had one thing, one desire in life is just to grow out children that love the Lord and love their families and grow up to be amazing human beings. <laughs> mm, I love that so much. Oh yeah. And we didn't even mention that you have four kids that you're homeschooling. <laughs> so that's an important side note. So if you can do it with your four, I could probably do it with my two. Okay. So next question is a two-parter. What's something in your life that recently you feel like you have been really intentional about? And then what's something that like moving forward, you feel like you could grow and be more intentional with? Um, Okay. So something that I've been really intentional with recently is being outside as mm. chips and crew has grown. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I gotta do business. I'm gotta work, gotta work, gotta work. Right. It, it got to a breaking point that I was like, okay, we're, we are working too much. We are not spending the kind of time that we created this life for, and we need to be more intentional. And so that rule of like no school after one o'clock and mm making sure that we're outside has just been a really welcome relief from just kind of grinding it out for the last couple of months. And we kept saying next month, it will be less busy next, you know, this, and then it, that never comes. So unless you can be intentional on a daily basis, then next week, next month, whatever, it just never, something's always coming up. Mm -hmm. So I have definitely been intentional about just spending more time not working and being outside. And what was the second part? So moving forward, is there anything that you feel like you could be more intentional about? Forward, more intentional. I would really like to spend more time like educating other people. Something that on my heart that I would love to do in the future is just like, there are moms out there that started these businesses and they kind of hit plateau. They want to go the next level mm-hmm. and how much joy would that bring you to see someone else's family succeed and give them the tools and knowledge that they need? Because simple things like we went to school, graduated college, and I can't file my own taxes. There's yeah. so many Preach. pieces of building a successful business and one that you love, not that you resent working that we don't know. I've learned an incredible amount in the last couple of years. And I'm just like, why don't we know these things? And I'd love to take a couple of people per year and just invest some time in other people and other people's families. I think that would be something I would absolutely love to do. Not on the books yet. But maybe that's in the so future. Cool. No, I think that that's such such an amazing idea. We need to brainstorm that more together. Well, amazing, Emily. Thank you so much for being on the All of You Whole Thank podcast. You, <laughs> and where can people connect with you? So you can follow us on Instagram, Toops and Co. Organics, on Facebook, and on our website, www.toopsandco.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Caroline. Thank you so much for being on the show, Emily. I learned so much. And if we end up buying a farm, (laughs) homesteading, and homeschooling our children, we will have you to thank for it. Listeners, please support Toops & Co. Head to the link in the show notes to check out all of their beautiful skincare, makeup, balms, deodorant, honestly, so many products that are inspired by nature. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.